Our world has experienced unprecedented disruption over the past month, and all of us have been affected. We can be tempted to draw back and wait for normalcy, but as believers, we're still called to obey our Lord's commands to gather, grow, and go. Recently, I held a Facebook Live conversation with my good friend John Snyder on how we can be creatively obedient in uncertain times, and we're going to go ahead and put it here on the podcast for those of you who would rather listen than watch. But if you do want to see the video, you can go to our YouTube channel and check it out there. I hope this audio encourages you and it gives you some ideas for how you can be creatively obedient during these uncertain times. John, why don't, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe tell, tell our viewers how we know each other, you and I. Thanks, Andrew. I'm just thankful for the opportunity to be together with you guys, with Into the Harvest, with the Navigator gang as well. But my wife, Jessica, and I um, are stationed over at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. We serve with the Navigator's military mission. We've been here uh, forever, uh, since 2001. So we are for sure homesteading uh, over here in North Carolina. And we've got uh, five kids, Jonathan, Jaron, Jonas, Judah, and Juliet. And um, we are eternally indebted to you, Andrew and Cindy, for investing so much of your life into both Jess and myself. In fact, uh, when we were together, when you were here at Fort Bragg, you know, it was three doors down from each other. Um, I constantly remember being back and forth between the houses. Um, I don't know if you remember this or not, but our neighbor actually cut a hole in the fence, Doug Cody. Um, so we could like see each other on each side of the fences. They were privacy fences. And so that was cool. Anna. So we we go way back for sure. But um, I met you after praying that God would give me someone to walk alongside of me in my walk with Jesus. This was way back in 1999. And um, about a few days later, after asking that prayer, you walked right into the barracks and said, hey, man, would you like to go out to a chapel service here on post? And instantly I thought, man, um, God answered my prayer. And uh, so it was really um, God directly linking us to, up together. And it's been a, a blessing for the last uh, 20 years to be in tight partnership with you guys, even though we're kind of in different areas of the United States, but really partnering side by side for the sake of the gospel. Yeah. For our listeners, like John mentioned, we know each other from the early 2000s. We met in Kentucky um, and then we spent six or seven years together um, making disciples there in North Carolina uh, and then my family has moved a couple of times since then. We're now currently in San Diego, and we are working with a ministry called Into the Harvest. And our passion is the same as it's always been, which is to help regular, everyday men and women uh, come to faith and then grow in their faith, but also grow in their vision to not only be disciples, but to make disciples wherever it is that the Lord has has placed them. We want to see ordinary believers living and sharing their faith in the everyday places of life. So the workplace, the neighborhood, uh, within your so social groups. Um, and John and I have this special connection, this, uh, this friendship that has spanned decades, but, but really our passion has been the same over the past 20 years, um, which is to, to represent Jesus well and to make disciples. And for the most part, we do that by getting a lot of face time with people, face-to-face, life on life. It's really not about a weekly uh, Bible study or church service. That's not, that's not the core of, of how we try to make disciples, and it's not how we see Jesus making disciples in the scriptures. So um, we do very little social distancing when it comes to making disciples. That has not been the pattern for how we've operated over the years. Would you say, John? 
That's definitely true, brother. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I think um, I saw somewhere recently where actually the the word life on life was trademarked. I thought, wait a second here, you know, but that's really how we've tried to live our lives and ministries. Let's be right beside each other in life. And so often we kind of compartmentalize our spiritual life from our real lives, but God never meant for it to be that way. So it's really truly life on life. Exactly. And so that sort of um, is a good transition for us to move into what we want to talk about today, because we're recording this uh, towards the latter part of April. And for most of the world, we're a good four weeks into this, this shutdown, um, where many of us in different parts of the world are under stay-at-home orders or shelter-in-place orders. Uh, everyone is trying to practice social distancing. And so you know, all of our lives have been greatly impacted over the past um, month plus. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus, of course, it's also had implications for how we live out our faith and how we seek to share our faith. And we really want to talk about our desire to be obedient to Jesus during this, during this time, and perhaps even beyond in, in learning some new ways to follow through on what he's called us to do. And as John and I were talking leading up to our time today, we, we thought about three commands that the Lord Jesus gives us as his followers. And, and those are to gather, to grow, and to go. And all of those have been affected by the coronavirus, the pandemic that we're currently living through. And yet they're not they're not optional things. They're not voluntary things. The Lord still calls us as his people to gather, to grow, and to go. And so John and I want to explore some creative ways that you and I can obey and continue to live out those obedience in those three areas. But let me just ask you, John, before we dive in in earnest, you know, how, how has your life been affected in these three ways, uh, these three areas of gather, grow, and go? over the past few weeks. I love uh, the way you intro that because so much of life is, is really kind of just turned on its head right now. Um, and, and everything that seems to have been normal before has been flipped all around. So when we think about this, this idea of gathering, uh, being together, it's, it's been a lot of this in front of the computer, you know, trying your best to pay attention and, and imagine actually being in the same room as someone. Um, you know, so this idea of, of gathering has, has really, really, kind of challenged us on our way of how we think about church and what it's actually supposed to be as family. Um, I think in, when it terms to, in terms of growing in our relationship with Jesus, hopefully for some of us, it's been a chance just to kind of step back and really assess where we are with the Lord. And that's been true for us that, okay, what is it that God would want to do in this season that would grow us to become more and more like his son? And then what does it look, you know, for grow for going, you know, it's, it's not we're going to re invite people out to a Bible study that we're going to or invite people out to a gathering where, where other Christians might be together with them. But instead, it's how can we be right beside people in our neighborhoods, pray for them, think for them, think about them and uh, have good conversation. So that it's been uh, it's been good because it does really help you kind of reclaim the biblical truths um, that really we ought to be living out all the time. You know, for me, one of the subconscious ways that I think it's affected me is uh, there's a tendency to to kind of drift towards complacency, especially in these three areas of of gather, grow, and go. It's almost like it's not like being on vacation 
but in the sense that, you know, when you go on vacation and you're, you're sort of out of your rhythm for a week, um, for, for many of us, it, it throws us off. And the idea of gathering and growing and going, we just sort of put, put the pause button on that. Um, and we know that at the end of that week, we're going to go back, life is going to return to normal. And so for me, I think subconsciously, there's been a drift towards complacency. Like that's a, um, that's a pull that I can feel within myself. And it's, it's not one that I'm thinking about um, consciously. It's not something that I'm, I'm thinking through like, well, hey, I'm just going to pump the brakes on, on my obedience in these three areas. It's, it's more of just a, a general vibe, I guess, that I've, I've kind of had. And I think I've seen it in other believers as well. Absolutely. And yeah. And so we, we want to talk about, you know, now is not a time for complacency in our obedience, but it is a time that's going to call for us to be creative in our obedience so that we can continue to, uh, to live out these three ways. Yeah. I, I think it, um, if we're all honest, we think, well, we'll just wait it out. You know, I think that's been kind of this thought process and it, kind of when we begin to establish a battle rhythm, I, I think, well, we can't settle into one, but at the same time, well, we're going to be living this way for quite some time, maybe even moving forward. So this kind of idea of battle rhythm and, and being involved in the kingdom and, and connecting deeply with the Lord and those around us, we, we can't pack it in. In fact, I, I think the Lord has asked us to be, to be people who are intentionally engaged with him and intentionally engaged those around us. And it's not as if his commands have a caveat, um, they, they don't come with like clauses, like a, some sort of insurance contract, right? He, he, he just says, Hey, look, here's the commands and be faithful, um, figure it out. Um, hmm. and it didn't stop any of the apostles either. It didn't stop James or it didn't stop John when he was in Patmos or, or Paul when he was in prison or when he gets rushed out of Thessalonica, the commands don't stop because of our situation. And, that's been something that I've had to really fight for. Okay. I know these commands are true. So how do I ensure to do them with these kind of restrictions and these kind of challenges in life? But I think that's a, a starting point, John, what you were just saying there at the end, a starting point for our, our conversation today is really just our mindset. When we think about what is the Lord doing today? Because as followers of Jesus, as, as believers in the scriptures, we know that God is in control, that he's not asleep at the wheel. And so this pandemic that is affecting the entire world is not something that has caught him by surprise. And it's also not something that he is uh, taking a break from, that the Lord is at work in our individual lives. He's at work in our local communities and he's at work throughout the world accomplishing Praise his, God. his Praise purposes. Praise God. Huh? Yeah. yeah. And so we want to be alert, even more alert during these times of change to okay, Lord, what is, what is it that uh, you're doing and how can I partner with you in that? And so this first area that we want to talk about is how disruption and difficulties are often opportunities for development. And so we want to change our, minds, uh, our mindset that this isn't just a crisis. This isn't just a pandemic. It's a time of disruption. It's a time of difficulty. But times like that are often opportunities for development. And so when we think about gathering and how we obey this command of the Lord Jesus to gather, um, how can we develop in our understanding of what it means to, to be the church and what it means to, to practice obedience in the area of gathering? So, John, um, what do you think about this idea of God developing us during this time? 
Yeah, I think you said it best when you, you talked about this, this idea that it's not by happenstance or by accident. So as believers, we, we embrace the sovereignty of God over every aspect of life. And this, this um, you know, COVID-19 is this opportunity for, for the world to have superimposed on it God's, God's sovereignty. And regardless of whether we think or believe in the Lord or not, um, that is happening. Um, so yeah. I, I, we talked a little bit earlier about just in the book of Genesis about one of the things I think that is true of our Lord is, is that he's a God of rhythms and limits. In fact, I actually think that's one of the things that got Adam and Eve, one of the core reasons that got Adam and Eve in so much trouble is that in the garden, the Lord had placed this limit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Hmm. And it, it was actually going beyond that limit that actually caused them to sin the first time. So if you think about how God created this omniscient, omnipotent, you know, he could be anywhere, he can do anything, but what he does is he creates something and he rests. Hmm. And then the next day he comes back, he creates something and then he rests. And even our Lord had a battle rhythm of life. Um, and he created limits for himself on the, on the last day. Um, he's not limited in his creativity, right? So he really could have done anything he wanted to make something else and make something more, but instead he rests on that seventh day. And so even our Lord um, has rhythms and limits. And I think for me about when we think about gathering, God has thrown this idea of, of rhythms and limits kind of really back into our laps. What does the rhythms and limits of life look like for the body of believers, for the church itself? And uh, to really reflect and think about that, I, I think is a great charge for us because we don't want to be in the same place of Adam and Eve where we wouldn't accept uh, the circumstances that God's giving us and we kind of get out in front of God. So it causes us to wrestle um, really and kind of define really what the church is, what the church ought to be doing. Hmm. Um, I, so I, I think that that is a great thing to wrestle. Um, we always have to constantly be redeeming the narrative of what our culture is telling us churches or, so often that's one of the key things, right? Gathering is one of the things that actually hurts people in terms of the gospel. Well, I did gather with this group of believers, but oh man, there are so many hypocrites over there. Like it, when you say the word church, it means so many things to so many people. So I, I love how we've wrestled with that. You know, I know you have through the years, we've continued to do that as well. So what do you think is, what, how would you define that gathering or, or church as if you were going to kind of peel that back for us. What, what does that look like for you? Yeah. One, one area where I believe the Lord is developing us during this time, whether it's, it's something that we're aware of or, or not, it's our understanding of church. So whether it's a traditional church, a mega church, a home church, um, all of us have been affected by this idea of, of stay at home, no gatherings, more than 10 people. I mean, even most home churches, have more than that. Uh, and certainly most traditional churches have that. So one area that I believe the Lord wants to develop us in is our understanding of what church really is all about. Um, and then from that flows recalibrating our, our values on what it is that the Lord is really wanting from us. And so when we think about church, most of us think time or place. And so that's why we ask questions like, where do you go to church? Because we're thinking of a place. And we can answer that, that question because uh, church is a place that you go. Or it, someone might ask, uh, what time does church start? And that's because we're thinking of church as an event. 
Um, and for many people, whether they're Christians or non-Christians in the world today, and certainly here in the United States, um, that's the prevailing understanding of, of what church is. It's, it's time and place. But uh, this is an opportunity to go back to the scriptures and find out, well, is that, is that so? Is that really what the Lord describes church as? And I would say it's not. It's, it's, it falls far short of what the true meaning of church is. In scriptures, the number one descriptor for church is family. And so to be part of the church is to be part of the family of God because you belong to Jesus. And this also affects our values. Well, what does God really want from us? Well, he wants us to be there for each other, to encourage one another, and he wants to use us to grow his family, which we're going to talk about a little bit later in the third part of our, our conversation on go. Um, but those are things that we can do even in a time of, of social distancing. We can be there for each other. We can encourage each other. And there's some ways that we are going to have to be creative to do that. But I would say that's uh, one of the main areas that God is giving us an opportunity to develop in, John. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly, Andrew, because I think the challenge is, like, I was reflecting and praying about this the other day, and I just realized almost in a repentant way before the Lord, just how much time, energy, and effort is given to a one-hour block of time on Sunday morning. And, and, you know, if that's, if you're a big part of putting that together for people, please do not hear from me that it's unvaluable, but I do think it is at best um, kind of a partial representation of what God has meant the family of God to be. So let me use this analogy. It would be as if you, the, you know, the way we define family is the one special time you might get together for grandma's birthday or the one special time you might get together for an Easter meal or Christmas or, or something like that. And so one of the things I think that God is doing is, is that as we're spending all this time and trying to figure out how do we continue to gather and everybody's throwing money at technology and learning how to live stream and kind of having a digital platform. What we ought to also do at the exact same time is go back to the scriptures and let's rebuild our understanding of what the people of God are supposed to do and how they're supposed to interact as a family. And there's a, a really great tool, Andrew, that we've used for years, even when you, we were together here at Fort Bragg um, and that you have uh, that will be on our one pager, but it's to actually just look through the book of Acts. And as our Lord describes what the church looked like in Acts. You can track every single one of those descriptions through this kind of this really quick overview Bible study on the family of God or the church from the book of Acts. And what it does, it really just challenges your thinking on, boy, it's way, way more than just gathering once a week. It's way more than kind of doing the extra credit of even going to a Bible study and church. But how can we be constantly present as the family of God working together? That's the question. Yeah, I would say that this is one of the, uh, the great areas where we can be creatively obedient is to allow the Lord to reshape our understanding of church. This is, there's no better time, I think, than right now for those of us who are uh, on this live stream, but really the church universal to, to reassess what does it really mean to be the church and then allow that to drive our behavior, allow that to drive our, our values. And like you mentioned, John, we're going to have a number of resources available for folks on that one pager that can help you reassess and reconsider um, how it is that you're going about um, living out the, the command to, to gather. Um, 
And just one last note before we, we kind of move into um, obeying in the area of growing. Um, you know, these times of disruption are often used by God to, to bring his people into a new season of contribution. And so from, from the very beginning, you can think of someone like Moses. I mean, Moses spent 40 years social distancing in the wilderness watching after sheep. But it's because God was preparing him for a purpose, a great purpose that was going to captivate the last 40 years of his life to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt and to bring them to the threshold of the promised land. Also, you can think about a guy like Joseph. God had showed him early in his life that he, he had a purpose for Joseph's life. His brothers were going to bow down to him. Even his mother and father were going to bow down to him. And then God took him through 13 years of of disruption and difficulty to prepare him to make that contribution. So in his thirties, Joseph could be the prime minister of Egypt. And later he could look back and say that God had a purpose for that, that God had sent him to Egypt because he was going to use Joseph's life and even Jesus in the wilderness. I mean, this is a pattern Paul in uh, Arabia for three years. So one thing that we want to encourage all of you guys to do is to, to think this isn't just a break from normalcy. This is an opportunity that the Lord is giving us to prepare us because there's something on the other side of this. He, he wants us to operate differently going forward than, than we have in the past. So let's, um, let's shift gears, John, and let's talk about creative ways to be obedient in the area of growing. So how do you see us developing in that area? Yeah, thanks, Andrew. So uh, you know, to kind of speak a little bit about your last point, you, those those men, it's it's amazing just to watch that track record all through the scriptures and to see it. And can we redeem the narrative that Satan that Satan is trying to tell us that this doesn't matter? God is a God who's aloof, but can we instead view it as an invitation to draw nearer to God, so that He might inform us? And that's really this growing part. And that's they all these really work in concert, right? To gather, we've got to. We're going to grow as we try and be creative of how we gather. We're going to grow in our walk with Jesus and our depth with him as we go and try to, to give this message away. But it really is this invitation where God is saying, look, I've moved the chess pieces on the chess table and it looks remarkably complex and you're overwhelmed by its complexity. Let's talk. You know, hmm. let's, let's spend some time together. Would you spend deep time with me? And to just to ask these questions. And you see that all through the scriptures, right? Where men are bewildered. God, where are you? What are you doing? My enemies this. Um, but I know I can trust in you. I know your character. I know who you are and what you're about. So this, this crisis, as we see it, really is this great invitation and a great opportunity instead of a crisis. Um, and so it, it's, I think it's, it's exciting and we ought to be encouraged by the opportunities because I do think you're right. There is this expectation of how God wants to use this moving forward and that all of us could walk and grow with him in a more deep and intimate way during this season in order to be better postured for what he might want to do through us as the church in the future. So uh, I, I really hope I'm giving away this excitement because I really do believe it with, with all of my heart that uh, God is poising us getting us postured to, to move forward in a big way. And, you know, I've, I've thought about Hebrews uh, chapter 10 and, you know, we know 24 and 25 where he says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Right. So this is our, this kind of our gather portion. If you think that before we get together, we'd really consider it. 
But I really like, um, uh, in, in that same passage, he says, let us draw near with a sincere heart. Hmm. And so one of the things that we tend to kind of just ignore in life is that we would actually do kind of heart, re- heart level reflections on who we are and who God says we are and who the people are around us, how we treat them, the way they're thinking, what's going on in their hearts. So as we have time to reflect, I think the idea of emotional intelligence, that there's a great opportunity for each of us to grow and to reflect and say, and do I really trust God in this season? Why, why am I anxious? Why, why so much fear or angst or uh, why do I kind of walk around bewildered? You know, so part of emotional intelligence is this ability to um, kind of reflect upon your own moods and to know, well, why do I feel that way? Why am I tempted to, to withdraw when I ought to press in and love well? So this season where we are social distancing, you know, we could fill that up with Netflix and whatever books you wanted to read or whatever it may be, or we actually have this great opportunity to draw near to God and he will draw near to us. And, and let's do that. Let us draw near with a sincere heart to the Lord. What's going on inside of me and becoming more aware of my own sin nature, become more aware of, of who I am, what I'm motivated by, what frustrates me. So there's a great opportunity for that to grow deeper in my relationship with Jesus at a heart level and a soul level. Yeah, I, I really hear you um, describing two different types of growth there, or maybe two aspects of growth. And the one is to become better in tune with God, to, to draw near to God. And we've got, like you said, an amazing opportunity to do that. Most of us find ourselves with a little bit more open time on our schedules than maybe we've had in the past. Life isn't quite as... as um, loaded with uh, going and doing as it as it has been in the past and so we're gonna we're gonna augment we're gonna replace that time with something and here's an opportunity for us to to draw near to god and to to become better in tune with him but the second area of growth that you talked about there would be perhaps maybe more in tune with who we are uh, more more introspective and you talked about emotional intelligence um, many people have probably heard of that that term. Uh, they might be somewhat familiar with it. Others may have never heard of it or, or may not really know what it is, John. So maybe you could share a little bit more about emotional intelligence and, and how that could be helping us grow during this time. Yeah, I, I think that emotional intelligence is, man, it's, it is this huge, huge buzzword right now, you know, right? So, you know, you can't go anywhere in a bookstore or even at the airport if you're traveling. Not that anybody can travel right now. I get it. Um, but um, and it, there's some emotional intelligence 2.0 or some other book that somebody else has wrote has written. It's, but it's, it's really, not it's not really a Christian thing. This is much broader than just uh, the Christian world. Yeah, actually, some of the best articles that I've read on it have been in a military context about helping people become better leaders. Some of the most practical articles actually I've read. But when I think about emotional intelligence, I, I think there's really two facets, and sometimes one or both of these get left out in life, but. The first one is like, why do I do what do I, what I do? Like, what is it inside of me? So if I'm in a bad mood or I have a foul mood, one of the ways that I can show myself to be emotionally intelligent is I actually have enough kind of understanding to walk back and say, well, why am I frustrated right now? Why am I just in a bad mood? And to have enough awareness of, oh, well, that's because this happened. Now I'm frustrated. Or how about the second part of emotional intelligence is, when I'm interacting with people and we have a very, maybe a tense conversation, we're trying to connect well with each other. 
that I actually would have the ability to think about, well, where are they coming from? What perspective might they have mm. that would help me have a better conversation and be a better understanding, have a better understanding of, of what they're going through. So there's this kind of personal emotional intelligence and, and people can, can be strong in that. And that's just a strength for them, but then they are not able to look out beyond them and figure out the emotions and the feelings of other people. Or sometimes maybe you're great with empathy, but you don't realize what's going on in here. So a great phrase that, that I like is, is that you can really only be as spiritually mature as you are emotionally mature. Because if, if you're emotionally immature, what happens is you actually do things you don't even know you're doing or why you're doing them. Um, hurt people hurt people. And so there's a real chance to, to bring even our emotions to the Lord and to bring before the Lord the emotions of other people that they might understand and experiencing him in a new and a powerful way that uh, I think is pretty critical for believers. I think the world is hungry for that kind of connection, for that kind of synergy that, that the world would see the Lord speaking into even our emotions. Yeah. I've been reading in the book of first Samuel in my daily devotions uh, recently. And I think Saul was definitely not emotionally uh, mature, you know, he, he did not have a high <laughs> EQ, emotional intelligence um, rating. And you really do see it. And, and you also see it affecting his relationship with God, ultimately costing him his relationship with God. And, and then, right. yeah, when God tells him, hey, I'm taking the kingdom away from you and I'm going to give it to another man. He doesn't, he doesn't really uh, put David on the spot there. But he says, I'm, I'm going to give it to someone, a man after my own heart. And so... I, I think the second area that we would want to encourage our, our viewers to be um, taking advantage of is that this time of disruption, this time of difficulty is really an opportunity to develop so that we're more in tune with God. We're more in tune with ourselves and others because we're boosting that uh, emotional intelligence. And again, we've got um, quite a few resources for folks that they can take advantage of with the, uh, the one pager that we're going to link to in this uh, video description. So folks can uh, explore that more. And like you said, instead of just binging YouTube or Netflix, um, you know, take advantage of some of these, these resources that are there to help you become more in tune with the Lord and uh, more in tune with, with yourself and others around you. So John, yeah. let's, uh, let's shift to this uh, third area, this third area of going. And the Lord wants us to obey, not just to gather, to grow, but to go. And this one, of course, like all of these, you can see the challenges right now. Like, how are we going to gather when we yeah. can't have more than 10 people? How, how are we going to, to grow? How are we going to go? And so um, the way I would say we can be creatively obedient in this area is to, to broaden our, our tool set. So what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, Andrew, I, I really think that's true. It, it's almost comical, right? <laughs> you know, to think, okay, yeah, I'm going to go do evangelism right now, or I'm going to try and be a witness to somebody besides my own five kids and my wife. You know, it's it, it's almost as if you know, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> you know, um, but I think that's what our that's what our forefathers faced, is it not? I mean, so Paul constantly had the burden of the churches on his mind. You know and mm -hmm. wanted to see the gospel proclaimed somewhere it had never been proclaimed before, right? This was his heart. You know, so, I'd, so I'd say the very first skill set that we have to broaden, we have to broaden our heart. We've got to broaden 
through prayer, the burden that we have for the world. And if, boy, if we, if we miss that, if we don't ask the Lord to kind of do a heart transformation in us, this idea of going will be lost. Um, because that's the core problem with me, right? My, the core problem with me is I just do not love the way that God loves. I do not love the people around me, my neighbors, my colleagues. I don't love the way God loves and and I, I'm really trying to do it. So one of my constant everyday prayers is, God, would you give me a heart for my neighbors? God, would you give me a heart for lost people who do not know you? And, and if, we, if we can start there, we will be so much farther down the road because God, he loves to answer those kind of prayers. He loves to see his people pleading over his people, you know. Yeah. Um, so we just did a recent workshop and we looked through the book of Luke and, um, on, on this topic of evangelism. And, uh, one of the things that came out of our time was just the clear heart that God has for the lost. And and in Luke chapter 15, he has the parable of the lost sheep. He has the parable of the lost coin and the prodigal son. And as we walk through there, it's boy, there's 99 that are good but I'm going to lose sleep over one. I will search that out. And then the woman who loses the coin, I've lost this coin. I will tear apart my house to find this coin. And then it's funny when all of it comes and said is done with the prodigal son, the father says we had to celebrate. There's no question. It had to be done. Your brother was dead, but now he is living. And pray. Mm-hmm. so if you capture the heart of that passage, it's, there are people that are already in the kingdom, but let's lose sleep over. Let's search like crazy. Let's help people return. So whether those are wandering people, whether those are people who think they know better, like the prodigal son, it actually doesn't matter whether someone's clueless. I think that's the coin, right? It's just kind of, kind of just loses its way. Right. Mm. It doesn't matter. The same heart is true that God is going to pursue very, very deeply those that are lost. So, the first thing that has to change in us when it comes to go, God, transform me. Give me the heart that you have to love the people around me the way you do. Yeah, I think um, we, we all need to take a deep dive into technology that's available to us during this, this new era. And one of the, uh, the technologies that is available to us is actually quite old. It's prayer. Yeah, like if you think about prayer as a technology, um, it's pretty amazing, actually. I mean, we're, we're all impressed by the fact that we can do a live stream like this and be connected over the internet. But prayer is, is so much uh, more than that. You know, it's, it's me being able to connect and have a, a solid connection with the creator of the universe and the, the, the God who is present right now. And you're right, prayer changes things. And most, most importantly, perhaps it, it changes us. And on the one hand, it, it is how, it's part of how God changes our hearts, like you were just de- describing, John. Uh, another thing, it's, it's part of how he inspires us. And so I would want to encourage people, right now, you don't have to have the answers, but you do need to be asking the questions. And prayer is one of the ways that you can do that. You can pray, and, and, and we're not going to try to give all the answers today. We're going to try to give some ideas and some resources. But ultimately, you need to be going to the Lord and praying and asking him, Lord, would you show me what it needs to look like to gather with my church family? Would you show me the areas that you want me to grow in? 
would you show me how I can still connect with those who don't know you in my neighborhood? Um, yeah. yeah. So, so prayer is, uh, an amazing technology that is available to us. And then of course, there's also a lot of modern internet-based uh, technology that I really wanna encourage people to, to get more um, up to speed on as well. I think the church has been asleep at the wheel. Uh, we've talked about this, John. I think the church in America has really been uh, asleep at the wheel in terms of trying to take advantage of of the new reality. And this new reality is not, I'm not talking about the pandemic. I'm talking about the fact that we live in a digital age. And we really have since about 2005, 2007, when platforms like YouTube and Facebook and Twitter really took off. And my own observation is that the church in general has, has not really taken these platforms as, as serious spaces. Uh, because yeah. they don't fit within our, our traditional way of, of operating. And maybe even our, even our values, like we talked earlier about, we have a high value for face-to-face -face ministry and life-on-life -life ministry. And so we, we can almost sort of uh, denigrate anything that's not that. So if someone mm -hmm. says like, hey, we're, we're part of an online church, you know, something inside of me is like, yeah, I don't know about that. How, how, how does that <laughs> even work? <laughs> yeah, but we can kind of go to the extreme. So there's this spectrum and we can basically say, well, it's not valuable at all. And we can, we can separate um, ministry from this online space. But the reality is we, we live in a digital world and we need to understand that this is a, uh, this is a real space with real opportunities for God's people. If we have the vision to see that, and, and we have the willingness to, to take that on. Um, you know, tradition and normalcy, um, they can be good things. <laughs> they can be good things. Uh, but I would say more often than not, tradition and normalcy can, can breed complacency. Um, this is the way that we do it. This is the way we've always done it. And God seems to be using it. Um, the problem there, of course, is when everything changes and you're scrambling, trying to figure out uh, new ways to, to serve and to represent him. You know, it's, it's interesting, Andrew. Like, so even as you're talking about that, you know, I almost have an uneasiness in my stomach. You know, we're talking about what creative ways can we get the message out there or, or ways we can be present. And I just think about how the world has done such a great job being in the digital space. And you can actually see companies that didn't figure it out. You know, um, Sears oh, yeah. didn't figure it out. You know, they, they stayed on this, this catalog, you know, every farmer had the <laughs> Sears Robux catalog. And you remember this growing up, you know, like, Oh yeah, it was this thing and it, it was a big deal. Um, but boy, they were late to the game getting online and uh, they no longer exist. Right. It's, it's over. Um, right. You know, so during this time of the, of the pandemic, you know, pornography channels on the internet are giving their subscriptions away for free. And, and I, I'm not saying that to say, go find one. And if you're listening, don't do that, you know, but, but just to say, to put that in context, it's how can we be present in this space where every single believer, every single lost soul is present. And if there's no voice of the Lord, if, if, if our Lord Jesus Christ is not represented there and we have missed a huge opportunity and I don't think that means give your life to it. I don't think that means you have to be constantly online and kind of live streaming your life, so to speak. But 
it does cause you to reflect. When, just think about your Facebook page right now or your Instagram page. What was the last time that you represented Jesus there? Or were you on purpose wanted to give away something that God had given you to your friends and to your family in the digital space? Because um, if we're honest, if we look at that, my guess is you would think, oh man, I have so many opportunities to represent Jesus there that I've just not taken. Um, because it, it is a, a normal part of your life, but you may not think it is uh, biblically correct to do or, or even strategic, but it's actually letting your life be congruent. And that's one of the things we have to do as we go. Who we say we are has to match what we do, what we say. And if we say we're a believer, then we ought to represent ourselves as a believer in the digital spaces. Yeah, again, we've got, um, we've got some resources that can help people think through, think through how they do that. And uh, I think if, if that alone is what comes out of this, John, it'll be a big game changer for, for Christians is, is how, we, how we conduct ourselves in these online spaces. Because all of us are there, like we're on Facebook right now you're on other platforms. And again, we can sometimes disconnect in our, in our mind. There's my, my life following Jesus and representing him. And then there's my time online and that's just for fun and, and to socialize. But, but no, you're actually a representative of Jesus in that space as well for good or bad. There's some amazing opportunities where you can represent him um, and you can really blow it. Christians can really blow it on social media as well. So, um, I do hope folks uh, get that one page resource and take advantage of, of some of those, um, those things that we've got in there about how to grow in this area of, of going in this, in this new season. But uh, the last thing that I would say before we shift into Q&A is that uh, downturns are almost always opportunities or they're always lined with opportunities for the people that have the vision to see it and to, to move into it. And I think in the scriptures, one that we talked about, John, that is, is so obvious, but you know, when Paul went to prison, that was actually an opportunity for him to write most of the new Testament, uh, which we're still benefiting from, you know, 2000 years later. I mean, would Paul have taken the time to, to write these amazing letters that have come down to us? Had he not experienced a, a personal downturn in his life where he, you know, you talk about, you know, social distancing. I mean, Paul was, was confined. <laughs> exactly right. And yet uh, we see what God used him to do. And again, it's, it's still benefiting us today. So one thing I hope people get from this conversation in general is that this, this really isn't a time to be on the sidelines, that God is active, God is at work, and there are many opportunities for us to, to grow and to be creative in our obedience in, in these three areas of gathering, growing, and going. So we've got a, um, any last things you want to say there, John, as we wrap up? No, I, I just love, I would love to echo your echo, right? Isn't that some like crazy joke on some YouTube channel, right? Speaking of social media. I <laughs> echo his echo. I echo his echo of your echo. <laughs> um, I, I just, I, I really do believe that, that um, there is just a great opportunity and we would be amiss. It, I, I would hate for us to walk out of this time, once this is all over, go back to what we would call normal life, being unchanged. 
So please hear from Andrew and I that we want to exhort you to meet deeply with our Lord who does have all the answers. And, and there, there are so many ditches on this thing, right? So our job is to be faithful, to be a, be a person of faith. And, and we can be drawn to kind of move into the, to the area of fear and kind of just be captured by fear and not move forward at all. We can also be drawn to just be foolish and not be wise with how we interact. But what anchors both of those kind of, both of those principles is faith in the middle, that we are connecting deeply with the creator who is sovereignly in control of every aspect of life. And we wouldn't be prone to either one of those dishes to, to be foolish or to be fearful, but instead we could instead be faithful and enjoy the Lord's goodness kind of day in and day out because we've been faithful to what he's called us to do. Well, John, I'm going to um, start fielding some of these questions and we've got one from Holly Ann. I'll take this first one. She's actually got a two-parter. Um, the first question is, do you guys have the same painting behind each of you? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and yes, we do. Uh, we, we jumped on about 15 minutes early and that's the first thing that we both said was, uh, <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Now, John and I are brothers from another mother and we do indeed have the same photo, uh, behind. We, we went on a trip to Israel together, uh, several years back. And uh, one of the stores had this painting for sale, which is just a beautiful painting of a story of uh, the woman who touched the, the, the hem of Jesus's robe and was instantaneously healed. And so that's what this painting is of. But yes, we do have the same, not planned, but we do have the same painting behind us. But her uh, second question is that uh, she agrees 100% with um, the idea that we need to fight the urge to isolate on Netflix. And she has a question about emotional intelligence. She says, John, you said earlier that God worked and rested. So what are some thoughts or tips on how to balance staying engaged and resting in this strange time so that we can be emotionally and spiritually strong? Yeah, Holly, that's a, that's a great question. Um, Andrew, feel free to, free, free to jump in, but I think part of it is just reflecting, is there any time in my schedule where I am on purpose going to spend time to rest? And if we're honest, we don't schedule rest time. Um, I, maybe you do, but I, I sure don't. Um, and I actually think it may be poorly or well that my job is to be available. <laughs> and so I tend to not put time in my schedule to rest, to think well. Um, but what I've had to do as life has progressed is that I've had to be on purpose about scheduling time to step away, to be with the Lord, to rest, in order that I might more fully engage with those that I'm across the table uh, with or walking or running, doing PT with across post or whatever it may be. So um, I, I love this quote um, from a great mentor, a guy named uh, Jim Downing. He said, I knew that I needed to rest when I couldn't concentrate on the man across the table from me and he knew he needed to on purpose, get time away to spend time with God so that he could love the people around him very well. And if we're not rested, if we're worn out, we, we don't love well. So I, I would say be intentional about your rest, just like the Lord was intentional about taking that time off. Yeah. One thing that I would add to that, John is, Again, this is a time of disruption. So for us, different people's schedules have been disrupted to a greater degree than others. But probably many of us could say that, yeah, life has looked a little differently this past four weeks than it normally does. 
And so trying to develop your own routine and rhythm can, can be helpful so that you're not just sort of all over the place from your day-to-day -day routine. Um, so trying to have a, a consistent routine that works for you. Sometimes uh, for many of us, if we're working, that, that is our routine. That kind of creates the, uh, the skeleton that our routine is built around. And so if you're one of those who has... Um, been forced to work at home. Maybe you're still working, but you're doing it remote. Um, that's a totally different ball game. And so this is an area to grow is developing your own rhythms and routines from day to day, and then creating that space to withdraw and um, develop like you were saying there, John. And again, take advantage of these resources. Um, if you'd like to grow in emotional intelligence, we've got several that will be in the, uh, the one pager. Um, there's a couple of questions here, John, that talk about technology. And so uh, Levi asks, um, if we plan to continue using Zoom videos like this or uh, having digital meetings after things return to where we could meet face-to-face. -face. Um, and then Holly has a similar question where she asks, uh, what are some ways that you see the church weaponizing technology and being a presence in the digital space? So you wanna take a stab at either one of those? Yeah, one of my observations has been, particularly for our women's groups, is just how easy it's been for them to just kind of log on and connect together on Zoom. In fact, um, right out of the gate, uh, shout out to Leilani Curtis um, and uh, Lagaya, Sarah Massey, and just some of the gals involved in our ministry. In partnership with Jess, they just thought, well, hey, we can right away be together. And so one of the things our, our observation was, man, we can close the gap between folks that are so far and far spread out all across the country by bringing them all into a call. And that can actually happen just like right now you're in San Diego, I'm here in Fayetteville. So one of our thoughts that kind of moving out of this time is let's keep one of those, let's keep pretty consistent zoom meeting going on. So gals can log in, be encouraged, spend time together, even when they're in the throes of homeschooling or um, their husband's deployed, you know, to load up all of the children to get them out to, a physical location. Um, so I, I do envision a hybrid kind of approach moving forward where we keep some of these digital meetings so that it serves our people well. Um, but I, I do say, I will say this, that, you know, Paul longed to see the people face to face. John longed to see them face to face, but when they couldn't, what they did instead was they, they wrote letters and they sent people. Um, so I do think this very kind of hybrid approach, we want to be face to face, but we also, got to take the opportunities for technology. So I do think that we'll continue on personally in our own ministry. Um, and even Andrew, you, you noticed this yesterday, even when we got together just to talk about this call, just how encouraging it was for us to see each other and to enjoy fellowship together, even as we're talking through what, what this time ought to look like. Yeah. Yeah. I would, um, I would agree with that, John. And we've, we've kind of been using, Zoom quite a bit, uh, other platforms as well. But Zoom, I think, is is a great platform that's becoming obviously much more widely used. Um, we've been using it for the past several years now to stay connected with folks that were part of our fellowship here locally, and they've moved on to other areas of the world. And some of those areas are pretty remote, so they don't have uh, a local body of believers that is encouraging them or maybe by choice, they've, they've decided to move into the harvest. And so they're not plugged in with an established traditional church. They're reaching out to their neighbors and they're, they're starting a home church gathering. 
um, and there's a need for ongoing encouragement and, and coaching. And so we've been doing that now for a few years prior to this, which I think um, sort of helped us begin to practice that in our, our local area. I think, um, like you said, John, if we can meet with people face to face, that's what we want to do. You see that with Paul in First Thessalonians. I think you mentioned Paul there. First Thessalonians yeah. in particular, at the end of chapter two, he tells them that he, he longs mm-hmm. to see them, um, but he had been prevented. He, he had been driven out of the city. And so what did he do? He, he prayed for them. He sent Timothy. He wrote the letter of First and Second Thessalonians. Yeah, absolutely. But ultimately, in verse 10 of chapter 3, he says, we're praying that God would, would allow us to come and see you face to face so that we can supply what is lacking in your faith. And so there are limits. When you can't be with someone face to face, it's hard to supply what is lacking in their faith. There, there are some things that can only be supplied person to person, face to face, life on life. And so we'll continue to use it. Um, but wherever we can meet face to face, life on life, that's, that's what we want to do. But thankfully, it's not an either or. Like we can do both. You can meet one day, we'll be able to, to go back to some normalcy in our gatherings uh, in person. But let's take advantage um, where that may not be available. Will asks, in your experience, how do you incorporate the importance of emotional intelligence into discipleship? You got some thoughts on that, John? Oh, by the way, Levi, yeah, Levi had a a very similar question. How do you develop EQ? Yeah, so um, you're going to be mad at me, but asking the question why or where do you think that comes from are two of the best questions that I know when it comes to emotional intelligence. So I was having a a talk with one of the men locally here at Fort Bragg. I just asked him, why does it matter to you so much that people um, think what they think about you? Or why are you reluctant to share truth that you think you may see that the Lord might want want to give you away? And that just makes him reflect on, well, okay, what is it about that that makes me not want to share truth? So asking the question, why? Why Why would you be reluctant to do that? Um, the second one is, where does that come from? Is there something within you that, that has caused you to, to be frustrated? Or um, There is a great tool um, in, our, in our tool pack that we gave you, that one-page uh, toolkit that is an article called uh, By 3 by 5 Leadership. And, and in an article, he talks about what's it look like to be self-aware? How's it, how do you self-regulate? And he gives some very, very practical tips and tools at the end of that um, article, which I, I find to be very, very helpful. And um, one of the things he talks about, it sounds a little creepy, um, but he, he says, well, pay attention to people. <laughs> um, actually, people watch and, and maybe even try to infer what they might be thinking or feeling as you watch. So you don't, don't watch too creepy. Um, but he, he's helping you become an attentive person. Um, and that's the point he, he's, he's pointing out. He, he's not trying to make you be uh, a, a stalker or something, but instead, how do you, can, can you be an attentive listener? Um, the reality is the second most important thing about emotional intelligence is um, how well do you listen? Um, so just asking the questions back, well, hey, can you recap what I've just shared with you? And, and mo- lots of times that helps people realize, oh, I just wasn't listening. I only listened mm-hmm. long enough to kind of launch into a different direction or a different conversation or, or to quote a Bible verse at you. I actually didn't listen long enough to really understand. 
So asking people to repeat back, I think, is a, a pretty simple yet big tool that will help. Seth Brown asks, uh, this, one, this one was for me. Andrew, you've had a large digital ministry presence over the last five years or so. What were some of the struggles you faced starting off and how did you overcome them? Um, I'll share just a few quick thoughts off the, the top of my head. One was I, I realized that my time on social media up until that point had been, it's it sort of been an evolution that I, I got on Facebook you know, back in 2007, because it was something new and some of my friends were there. Um, and, and so most of us, we've joined these, these social media platforms without really thinking about why are we on these social media platforms? And so um, the first thing I, I did was I actually took a break from social media for a year before starting into the harvest and before, um, re-engaging with social media. And during that time, I, I really thought through why am I, why am I in these places? Why am I um, on this, this social media platform? And um, how do I want to represent myself, but more importantly, represent Jesus? Like what do I really want out of this experience? And so um, taking the time to take a step back and then um, re-engage with purpose was, was one of the steps that um, that helped me to overcome that that first struggle, which would I would say would just be some uh, purposelessness or an unclear focus of why I'm in these spaces. Um, the other thing I would say is is that um, all of us deal with a critique. Like if you if you're on social media, you're going to be critiqued. Um, and if you're representing Jesus on social media, you're going to be critiqued. And that's not just from unbelievers. You'll have quite a few yeah. believers that um, will question, why are you doing this? Uh, you know, are you, you're trying to make disciples through, through technology and that you shouldn't be doing that. Um, mm -hmm. And so I would say just um, a, a second obstacle would, would be overcoming resistance and, and your own um, I guess your own need for approval, like you were mentioning earlier, John, to say, well, I'm not, I'm not doing this to, to gain a following. I'm doing this to represent Jesus. I'm doing this to encourage his people. Um, and then the, the last thing I would say is that there's a tech side to it as well. So just taking the time to, to learn some of the, the tools that will help you be more effective um, at representing Jesus, there, there's a tech component there. So those would be uh, three things that I would encourage people to do is take the time to think through why are you on social media and how could you be faithful to representing Jesus? That's going to help you overcome criticism that you're going to get from non-believers and believers alike. And then um, don't think of it as wasted time to, to figure out some basic principles of, of using social media well. And again, the world, unfortunately, you're going to have to go to the world to, to find out most of that because the church is, is so far behind on that. Here's a great question by William, John. And uh, he says, we're able to continue to meet with people we already have connected with through video calling and other methods. Okay, so he's saying basically right now you can use technology like Zoom to connect with people you already know, especially believers. But uh, how do we continue to seek out new people to reach with, with social distancing? So uh, you got uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's interesting. I think that um, 
one of the things that we do when we're in the digital spaces, so let's just pretend like you can't go any more out and ever talk to anybody ever again. So you can only do it on your computer. So that's our premise real quick. We normally use our social media platforms to just like announce things. So we're there to say, Hey, come to this thing or log on for this zoom call or our virtual Bible study is at this time. Um, when I think one of the ways we can better use social media, particularly when it comes to, to reaching out to people is, can you actually engage people in this space? So as you put things out on the space, hopefully they respond. And then instead of saying, Hey, thanks for checking it out. You would say, well, Hey, what did you like about that? Or instead of, instead of people getting to know you, use your digital media platform to get to know them, to engage the people outside of your normal sphere of influence. So you've got a lot of people I'm guessing that you're connected with on Facebook who don't know the Lord um, or even your neighbors. Um, this is a, a brilliant idea. One of the gals in our ministry had, they put a picnic bench in their front yard and they can sit with their kids uh, and have a meal at dinner time while everybody is just trying to get out of their house and not go stir crazy walking the neighborhood. So they've met way more of their neighbors than they ever have. And so that's just a creative way to think, how can I be in a new place and interact with people in a new way? So it, I think the Christian thinks we need to be consumer based where we say, Hey, this is who we are. Come consume us. When we really, what we ought to be is, Hey, let's engage you and get to know you. Um, so that paradigm I think can be pretty helpful, William. Well, we'll take one more here, John, one more question. If we didn't get to your question, or if you're watching this later after the live stream and someone didn't ask a question that you have, go ahead and put it in the comments. Um, we'll try to respond to it in the comments with an answer um, once we're finished recording here. Uh, and also maybe we'll even make some individual videos on some of these, these questions, like some short three to five minute uh, answer videos that we can post here on uh, Facebook or over on our YouTube channel, um, our YouTube channels in response to that, which, which by the way, I would encourage people if you're, if you're not subscribed, John, I know you guys have a YouTube channel that you just started. What, what's the, what's the name of that? How can people find you guys? Yeah. So Fort Bragg Navigators. If you'd like to uh, see messages from our gang here, quiet time thoughts and kind of Bible study uh, thoughts that we've been sharing Fort Bra Fort Bragg Navigators is the page. Yeah. And then um, our YouTube channel is just youtube.com slash end of the harvest. So check us out there and definitely subscribe and turn on notifications so that you guys can, can get these videos either directly uh, in response to this live or, or just videos that we're going to be putting out in the future on how to represent Jesus, how to live for him in the everyday places of life. So James has this last question. He says, uh, in reference to church described as family, um, can you speak to the tension between having spiritual family, but also having potentially unsaved biological family? And specifically, where do you choose to prioritize your time and emotional energy? Uh, what is God's intention for this? So this is a big one. Therefore, I'm going to hand it over to John. Bro, should have ended this call, bro. <laughs> <laughs> James, this, I love your question. Um, most of all, I love your heart behind the question because what I sense in you from that question is I want to honor the Lord with both of these opportunities. I want to be linked in with my spiritual family, but I also want to pray for love well, connect well with my family that does not know Jesus. So 
I, I love your heart there. And, you know, in some ways we don't have the answers to these questions, though we do have folks in our family who do not know the Lord yet. But I, I'd say that um, one of the challenges we have is we fail to be present even when we're present. So you do have this tension of when do I say yes to this group and say no to that group and that kind of thing. But the reality is that even if I'm with my family who does not yet know the Lord, um, I don't engage well there because I think, well, this isn't important or I need to go somewhere else or I ought to be doing what God really wants me to do, which is my other family, so to speak. So the first thing I'd challenge you with is that when you are there, seek everything you can to just to be present, to listen well, to love well, to serve well. Think about ways to be creative as you're around them. Um, so even if that means you see them a few times throughout the year, be fully vested when you do see them. The second thing is, is as you interact with your spiritual family, let your physical family know and see it. Tell the stories. So we had a tornado that came through our neighborhood a number of years ago, and someone from my mother-in-law's church gave her a Cadillac because my truck was in their driveway and it was smashed. Her car got completely destroyed and their other van was destroyed. A big bunch of trees just dropped on them. And then the whole family got to see how the body of Christ rallied around my mother-in-law and father-in-law. And, and for real, the, the, question, the, the statements that were made was, well, no one's ever given me a car. Um, and it was, boy, there must be really something to uh, this Christian thing. These are people who love Jesus and this is the way they want to serve and love each other. So as you connect well with your spiritual family, tell the stories because they're good stories because you'll be loved in a pretty special way because of the Christian community you're part of. Yeah, I think all of that is great, John. I, I think Jesus taught on this. Jesus um, told us that we, we should prioritize our spiritual family. Jesus did that. So there is a tension. You know, James, you, you use that word and it's, it's real. And Jesus himself faced that tension. So we're going to as well. Um, in my own experience, I would just encourage you to, to be praying for your family over the long haul. Uh, George Mueller is a, a hero of the faith from a few centuries back. Um, you know, check out his biography sometime if, if you can. But he had people that he prayed for faithfully for decades who ultimately came to faith um, in response to his prayers. But it was, it was a, a long journey. And that's the second thing I would say is be patient with your biological family. There are family members who are not going to be open or receptive to spiritual things now who will be uh, a decade from now. And so don't, don't trash those relationships. Don't lose those relationships now. Um, be patient with what the Lord is doing. Um, I mean, and be faithful. If you have opportunities to share, as you have opportunities to share, do that. But um, you don't have to... Um, see them respond the way that you're hoping for right now, that, that the Lord is at work in their lives. So we're going to wrap it up there, John. I want to thank everybody who was able to join us for this live stream. And if you're watching this later, we appreciate you taking the time to uh, join and listen. If, um, if you have a question, put it in the comments. We will, we will look for those. We're going to have uh, several links. They're not in the description right now, but um, for those who are watching later, they will be. And for those of you who are watching now, if you come back in the next 30 minutes, we should have those, um, the description for this video updated. There will be a link to the one-page resource that John and I have talked about uh, several times during um, this live stream. There'll also be uh, a link for a resource called the Action Plan that you can uh, sign up for and get a free copy of, uh, Six Steps to Move from Dreamer to Disciple Maker. 
And there'll be a resource for a weekly newsletter that we put out called Harvest Highlights, which is, again, just an ongoing source for resources um, to be a disciple and to make disciples. So if you're not signed up for that, uh, take the time to do that. Uh, lastly, if this video has been encouraging to you, um, share it on your Facebook page or pass it along to a friend or family member that you think would benefit. You know, that is actually the superpower of the internet. We, we say this on our podcast every week. You know, the superpower of the internet is its ability to multiply information. And so if, if, if 300 people see this live stream, um, but 10 people share it, you know, that multiplies out to 3,000 people. Uh, so it's, it's already here. It, it's living in this space. But if you want more people to see it and benefit from it, you know, think about sharing it on your, your personal Facebook page and more people will see it. So, John, hey, thanks. Thanks for being available to do this today with me and, and hopefully it's encouraged people. Yeah, pleasure being with you, Andrew. It's great seeing you all kind of logging on to and waving and asking questions. So we love you all. Happy and excited and uh, just overjoyed to be in partnership in the kingdom with all of you. All right, guys, we'll do it again soon. Thanks for being part of our community. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can share it on social media with your friends. Or you can support it directly by visiting our website, intotheharvest.org, clicking on the donate link, and becoming a monthly giving partner. When you do this, you'll receive a thank you package with some great ITH gear. Thank you for supporting the show and helping our small team make a big difference for Jesus. It's listeners like you that make this ministry possible.